Cool, I'm gonna do it off my laptop. I don't know why it's not showing off my phone. It's just like God's judgment today upon my life. So, sweet. So we're starting this series, Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Hinene. No, it's Hinene, but I'm just trying to bend the Hebrew word as much as I can. So it's Hinene. Yeah. You know what? I literally was at work with um, all the kids and all the learners, and um, I actually gathered around a group of them and said, like, hey guys, teach me how to whip a nene. And um, I was so terribly bad at it. I told them I was doing it for church, and so I will be doing a whip and nene video at some point this week. But my problem was when I was learning it, like, literally, there was this girl trying to teach me, one of the older learners where I work, and she was just like, I just want to punch you in the face. <laughs> so after almost being assaulted for my lack of rhythm, movement and stiffness, um, I gave it a pass. So, but this week I'm gonna learn and I'm gonna bust out a video. But yeah, we're gonna be looking at this series. Now, the reason I've chosen to do this series is because this word is, is just, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a, it's a Hebrew word, Hineni, which means, um, I am here. That's all it means. I am here. And it's used eight times in throughout the Bible. And we're going to be going through four of those occasions that it's used. The last week, we're going to be looking at two different occasions that the word is used. And um, so from today, the first one, we're actually going to be starting in an instance where the word should have been used, but wasn't used, which is a bit of a weird place to start. But um, in the Genesis narrative, there's this moment with Adam and Eve and in the Garden of Eden. And what happened there was there's this huge question that God asked because um, the Bible narrative says that they met with God in the cool of the evening. And so one time God is meeting with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening and they're not there. Something's taken place. Something's changed. There's a shift. And God asked this question, a question he never had to ask before. And from then on, he has been asking of all of us throughout the history of mankind and will until Jesus comes again. And the question is this. He says, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And um, Adam's response is not Hineni. He uses a different word. So he's basically, the word he uses kind of is more like what you say when you check in at school is your name is read out on the register. Just like a here, that's it. Like geographical, yeah, here. It's not like a, I'm present, I'm not involved, I'm not engaged. I'm not surrendered to it, which is all the stuff that Hineni means. So in this first narrative, there's this separation in the relationship. And ever since then, God is always asking the question of you and of me, of where are you? Where are you? And so the first place we're going to be looking at where the word is actually used is we're going to be looking at a story in Genesis um, 22. So if you want to have a look, Genesis chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering. Uh, uh, sorry. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there. 
and worship and come to you again. Now, already in this passage, straight away, Abraham says an eight. It's in the very, very first verse. So God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. So he called him by name. Every time in the Bible that Hinane is used by one, um, always the person gets called by name. So it's always God is addressing someone and they respond in this way. So the, they're calling them by name. So there's an encounter. So when they're made aware of God, when they're made aware of his presence, when they're made aware of who God is, their, their, their response is surrender to what he wants to do in that moment. So Abraham straight away, he encounters God and he says, here am I. Total surrender. So he's now seen the place from afar. He's left the two guys behind to stay with the donkey. And he's taken his son with him to go and worship. And he says he'll come to you again. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on, his, on, his, on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went um, together. And Isaac said to his father, said to Abraham, my father. And then Abraham responded, Hineneh. Here am I, my son. This is kind of huge. This is interesting. So the first time when Abraham kind of responds, Hinane, he's kind of saying, like, he's alive to the moment. He's in complete surrender to what God says, even before God has told him what he wants him to do. Now, for me, that raises a question. How often in my life have I been in complete surrender to God, regardless of waiting for him to give me the specifics? I'm normally the kind of guy that tries to feel it out. I'm the guy who tries to work out, like wants to know, wants security in things before I'll even take things further or process into anything or to commit to anything. Here, Abraham's response to God right from the get-go is he knows who God is and he goes, I'm going to trust you completely. I surrender completely to whatever plan you have. I'm in without even hearing what it is. He then hears how higher stakes it is and he goes along with this thing and he goes there. Now, he knows and he's agreed with God that he's going to go and sacrifice his son. His son, as he looks around, realizes I'm carrying the wood, there's the fire and the knife, we've got no animal to sacrifice as with their custom. His son processes, this is me, he's gonna sacrifice me. And so when he says, my father, Abraham does something amazing. He says, Hineni, my son, here I am, my son. Complete surrender to his son. And that, when I looked at that, that really hit me because Abraham's gonna say Hineni three times. One to God without knowing what the consequence is. Two, after knowing what God is asking of him, that he's going to sacrifice his son, his son calls to him and he answers with this word. He is doing, which is the tension which anyone who has children has to have going on in their life, is sometimes there's this tension between, and even if you don't have kids, between what God wants of us and having to be present in other ways as well. So for example, City Hill, I've got this whole church thing that I'm trying to do. But there's commitments I have for my wife that um, she needs me to do. And sometimes she asks me to do really mundane stuff. Like, I don't know, this weekend, sticking something up on the wall. That, like, I'm like, there's stuff I, I, there's stuff I need to do on the website. There's stuff I need to learn about systems and stuff. There's stuff I need to look into about future plans that I've, I've got in my head that I want to get down. And I've got to put that thing on the wall. And then there's the, 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 the oven. And like the, the filler around the edge just looked disgusting when we moved in. And so she wants me to scrape the whole side of it off and to put the filler around it. And it's like, I've got to be fully present to what God wants me to do and wants me to, to do in my life and to do his plans. But I've got to be fully present to my wife as well because he made the institution of marriage. He wants me to be a part of that. He wants me to fulfill that. 
And whether it's marriage, or whether it's your son, or whether it's your daughter, or whether it's your family member, there's relationships and things that we have with people, work obligations, all these different types of things. And we have to be fully present to God in that moment, but fully present to that other commitment. And it, sometimes we see them as conflicting things, but how God wants to see them is that we do all those things unto him. That regardless of whatever we're doing, we incorporate that right attitude, that right spirit, that right living. So like Paul talks about, we do all things with all our heart unto the Lord. So if I'm working as a cleaner, I clean and I do the best job possible, not just because I'm getting paid, but because I'm only worshiping God and making this place wonderful for that person, but also for my employer that employs me, that I'm gonna do the best job I have. If I'm in school, I'm not gonna mug off my teacher. I want to because the guy's a douche, but I'm gonna do my study. I'm gonna learn this as if unto the Lord. I'm at work, my boss is a complete jerk. Once again, it's the same kind of thing. And Abraham here, what I love is that he's in complete surrender and fully present in both, even though they seem like they're completely conflicting um, agendas. And so that begs the question, sometimes the challenge is finding the balance between God and everything else around us. And here in this passage, Abraham nails it. He's fully present for both, something God wants us to be. How present are we with our family? How present are we with our situation, with our work balance, with our own lives? How present are we with celebrating who we are, what we do, what's around us? Because it's keeping that healthy kind of balance and being fully present and not just being so submersed in one thing that we miss everything else in our lives that's going on around us. Um, so here I am, son. Behold, the fire in the wood, but the lamb, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then, hey, oi, oi, so then God said, then Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Hinene, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes, looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So in this third time, Abraham is just going with the flow. He's doing what everyone does. What everyone does. Because within their culture and their context, it's a totally different day to today. So when we talk about in our context, if I told you like, oh man, you know what, I just felt in my prayer time this morning that God just, just spoke to me and said, Andy, you take that little Eden and you take her out on the balcony and you get that real sharp knife. Don't know why God has to be Texan, but he does. Um, and you sacrifice your daughter, you kill your daughter for me. Like that for me would be completely abhorrent and just like, oh my freaking, my mind, I'd just be totally messed up. Now, their culture at their time, what would happen with all the different um, deities and different local gods that people worshipped, it was very common for them to sacrifice their firstborn son. And now being a dad and having a firstborn daughter or, or their firstborn full stop, what, what happens is you have this kid and for the first time, 
you experience these whole new things. You become alive to everything. They're the most precious thing in the universe to you. They just blow your mind. They're absolutely amazing. They're worth everything. There is nothing more valuable to you. There is nothing of worth. There is nothing more important. There's no goal in your life. There's nothing else that matters more than that child. You want that child to, to grow, to be safe, and to be whole. So the way that people viewed God, not necessarily the Hebrew God, but just gods in general across the different areas was, the gods are angry. The gods are angry, and if we are going to survive, we need to please the gods. So what they would do is they would take whatever was precious and give it to the gods. Because sometimes they'd given things to gods in the past, and the rains hadn't come, and their harvests were wiped out, and they struggled, and people died. And so they had this fear mentality, and this angry god image. And so what they would do is they would give the very best that they had. They'd give everything that they have, so they'd take their firstborn, and they'd slaughter it. So for you and I living in the world that we live in, the way that we live and the way that we see things, no one's in that kind of a boat. But what Abraham's doing here is what he's always known. And in this one moment, what God does is he lays out and distinguishes himself, set apart from every other God. Because here it says he tested Abraham. He didn't tempt Abraham. So to go around killing your children, like, that's a sin. He's testing him. He wants to see Abraham's commitment to him, that he's there, that he's fully present, that he's fully surrendered to him. But ultimately, he's not going to ask Abraham to actually do that because that's disgusting and that's not who God is. And so because of this moment and in the law of God throughout the, the rest of the tradition of the Hebrew people and of the Christian church, child sacrifice has always been just this abhorrent thing that has never been accepted. But in, in this instance, what's happening here is he, like... He is coming into something as he is with his culture, with his lenses on of how he sees the world. God is meeting him in it and he's taking him forward. But he's not just taking Abraham forward. He's taking mankind forward and he's leading them forward from this moment. And what is beautiful about this instance is because actually you and I today come to God with preconceived ideas of how we see the world, how we see one another how we see society and we move along with these preconceived ideas when actually sometimes God calls us to have a moment to see if we're fully present, to see if we're fully surrendered and he sometimes calls us to do things which for us seem pretty weird. Now for Abraham the weirder moment in this story would not have been being asked to sacrifice his son. The strange moment for Abraham in this story is that the angel stops him. So Abraham is very different from you. He's very different from me. So it's a completely different thing. So we look at this and we're bored at God asking that of him. But actually for Abraham, the shock moment would have been like, what? I don't have to give this? I don't? Totally different. Totally different way of looking at it. And then in the story, what it says is, it says that he saw this ram caught with his horns in the thicket. And one of the things that Abraham said to his son, so Abraham sees it there, and then that's the sacrifice they place. But the thing that he says, which is really interesting, is he says to Isaac, the Lord will provide, will provide the sacrifice. But the literal way he says it in the Hebrew is, the Lord will provide himself the sacrifice. And so what happens here in this story is Abraham goes there to sacrifice his only son, which God miraculously gave him because him and his wife couldn't have children. He's gone to lay it down. And actually here in this moment, before the law of Moses, before any of the Levitical priesthood comes in, before any of that takes place, 
this symbol of like the Passover lamb kind of happens where they catch this ram caught there with its, its horns caught in the thorns and it's there and it's available and he makes this sacrifice. And when we look at the rest of the Hebrew tradition with Passover, the lamb that was slain before they left Egypt, and when we look at Christianity and Jesus being the Passover lamb that was crucified on a cross the exact same time that Passover was happening, as all across the streets, these lambs would have been being slain. Jesus, who John said, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here, right now, in this passage, that Abraham looks at it, something bigger is even happening than a culture shift. He's not just changing the way that they see child sacrifice. He's not just changing the way they will live as a nation, but he's actually changing things for all time. Because in this moment that Abraham has said, the Lord will provide himself the sacrifice, this ram is sacrificed. And Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God himself in flesh and blood came and surrendered himself and died on a cross for you and I, that we may know him that we may be fully present with God again. So the whole point of, that, of the story with, um, with Adam and Eve is there's this separation, this intimacy issue that is now there. And then God asking the question, where are you? And you know what? God asked the same question of me and of you today. And not just today, but every day. That is what the Christian life is about. It's about being present. Because we talk about, I found Jesus. And people say all the time, I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus, he wasn't lost. God is always present, he's always present. And in these moments like Abraham, where he encounters God, Abraham says, here am I, Hinane. It's only used eight times. You don't get it every other now, you don't get it whenever. It's in that moment of encountering God, his presence, his glory, who he is, that we surrender ourselves to him. Moses at the burning bush, Hinane. Um, Samuel, when he's sleeping, Hinane, here I am. Isaiah, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. Hinane, surrendering to God each time, each time. And it's actually in all of these and what you will see over the four weeks. And by the time we get to week four of the series, we will see that actually all of these Hinanes, all of this stuff leads to one moment and one moment only. It's that Jesus makes it possible that you and I can be fully present with God that we can actually be present because God is always present. The question is whether you are present, whether you are present in surrendering your life to him and living for him. Um, I'm going to just pray for us and that'll be um, it for it for today. Um, Father, in this, in this story of um, Abraham, he has so much going on, so many different layers to it of surrender. On the one hand, he's, he's surrendered to you without even knowing what the cost would be. Even when he finds out the cost, he is still obedient to what you call him to do. And then, at the same time, in complete conflict, he's such a good dad. He's trying to be in complete surrender as well to his son and to be there for him. And then, Father, you interrupt and you change his whole world. The whole way that he sees God, the whole way that men would see God after that. Um, for us, we look at this and we can't even see it through Abraham's eyes to even get to the place he got to. But that's thanks to him seeing things the way he did and encountering you and you peeling away and opening his eyes. But he was only able to see things different when he surrendered himself to you, when he made himself available to you to be used by you. It changed generations and how they saw and how they lived. Father God, would you open our eyes? 
to the preconceived ideas that we have. The way that we see certain types of people, the way that we place certain values on them, and the way that we live our lives about being present in what you have for us. So often, God, our idea is that serving you is something we do in the future, that living for you is something that unfolds in, in, in some, some magical way. And, and that there are times when that does happen. But actually, there's also times and ways that we can take the time to surrender ourselves to you, to make ourselves fully present for you, not just waiting in our eyes for you to show up. You're always there. There are times when we become aware of it, but you are always present. You are always faithful and you are always with us. But we pray this week, Lord, and that today and that tomorrow and that during the week, we will assign windows of time where we will drop everything and just maybe sit for a set time that we choose and say, here am I, Hinene. I surrender myself to you, God, in this moment. Would you show me who I am? Would you show me the preconceived ideas that I have? Would you help me to surrender them to you, that you can change me, change the way that I see, and change the way that I live? Um, and in the same way that Abraham said, he said, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. Lord, you are the one who will provide the life change within our lives. It's through the power of your cross, through the power of your death and resurrection on the cross, that we have hope and newness of life. Would you come and restore us in Jesus' name? Amen.